0: Money FM 89.3. Best of Breakfast. The US
1: Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Willie King. U.S. stocks traded mixed last night as it struggled to extend its longest winning streak in about two years. So here's how stocks traded so far. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed lower by 0.2% to end at 34,090 points. The S&P 500 closed marginally higher by 0.1% at 4,380 points. And the Nasdaq Composite ended higher by 0.08% at 13,630 points. This move's come as earnings season starts to wind down with about 88% of companies in the broad-based S&P 500 index posted results and more than 88% have beat earnings estimates. Slowing demand, however, has translated to only 62%, topping revenue expectations. So joining us on the line as we unpack all of this is Rick Bensignor, founder and managing partner at the Bensignor Group. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good morning, Willie. How are you doing? Great. I'm great. So let's talk about markets here. I mean, analysts are saying that, you know, with the ongoing equity gains, which is really driven by the big cap tech stocks and combined, you know, with now what central banks, you know, have a muted action on interest rates, could set up nicely for the market into 2024. You know, I'd just like to get your view here, Rick. You know, how has the market performed across the different asset class so far? Well,
0: we've got an eight-day-in-a-row gains for the S&P, nine days in a row for the NASDAQ 100. We haven't seen something like that in quite some time. And this all stemmed from last week when Fed Chairman Powell gave the essential hint, let's say, that the Fed is done raising rates for now. And this is all investors seemingly wanted to hear to scamper back into the market Uh, programs right away bought the news and what continues to drive the, the markets higher is the fact that the shorts and there was a large short base uh, that had built up especially over the last month or so with the s p breaking under let's call it forty two fifty roughly um that built in a whole bunch of shorts and they are scampering to cover willie and there has not been a down day even for them to do that so I think the pain is getting greater uh but in the near term, I don't think we can keep going up the extent that we've moved up and I would think that by week's end, if not early next week, you'll finally start to see some of the Uh, shorter term, new long positions take some profits. Those who who correctly anticipated that this would run higher, I think we're kind of getting long in the tooth here of this rally, but the lows we saw a week and a half ago are really likely, so if we go two Fridays ago, was the lowest low of the move. The S&P was just a tad north of 4,100. Mm. No reason right now to think that that is going to give way between now and year's end.
1: Mm. I mean, we have the Fed, you know, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England, you know, they are looking, they are looking at peak rates and there have been market expectation that could be a potential fall in rates towards the end of next year. You know, what are your views about this? You know, do you think that... We at a peak rate right now?
0: I think the 5% US 10-year, which is where the market peaked here, um, for now is a good high. Six months ago, I told my clients that, and and rates were much lower at the time, that the highs, I had a target of 4.88% to 5.06%. So that 18 basis point range is where months and months ago I anticipated the highs to come into. It's exactly where things have held for now. And therefore, I've got to believe that that is the high, um, certainly for the near-term cycle. I won't year out and prognosticate where I think we are a year from now because just too much can happen. Uh, But fair to say that if this is the uh, cyclical peak, then we could see U.S. 10-year rates back down to under 4%, and I would probably target about 39 to even 3.65% as being the downside target to this. So they're, they're certainly, with us at about 4.5%, give or take now, there's certainly room for rates to move lower. The mm. early high this year was at 4.33%. There should be some support around there from a trading point of view. But if this high near 5% holds, Willie, then you really could see rates back up and that would be good for stocks.
1: Mm. And how do you think this will affect the dollar right now? Because we are seeing how the dollar has moved up sharply recently. And also, you know, it has been also traded against some of the Asian currencies um, in a more volatile environment. What do you think is the impact on the dollar market?
0: So I think the dollar actually is headed lower now. I had it, uh, a week after it made its low for the year, I put a target in the US dollar index at 105.97. We hit that about a month ago, and it's kind of been hanging sideways uh, from the low 107s to the 106.5 level or so. And it finally cracked last week, enough so for me to believe that the high is in for the U.S. dollar for the balance of the year. And I have targeted now a move down to 103.5 as the next level that traders will need to pay attention to. So right now, short term, I'm bearish the dollar.
1: Rick, you are a strategist for many of your private clients here. I mean, I'm just curious here, what are you telling your clients right now in terms of asset allocation and also in terms of the stock market? What sectors are you bullish on?
0: So I am in, as of the most recent reallocation, which was on November 1st, uh, out of the 11 sectors, I think it's probably easier in my head to tell you the ones that I'm not in because <laughs> there's less of them. Um, so I'm in seven of them, which I, uh, the, the report that I generate is actually called the Seven Eleven Report. Its goal is to be in no more than seven of the 11 sectors. And we have very good long-term outperformance by being able to eliminate those sectors that will underperform. Currently, I am not in, let me think, REITs. I am not in financials. I am not in materials, and um, I actually, just to get slightly more defensive, I swapped out consumer discretionary, and I put in consumer staples. Now, right now, that's that for the week or so that has existed in the month of November. That's not the right move, but if we get any sign of still potential recession coming, then I don't mind, at least in the near term, having made that swap. So those are the four sectors that I'm not in right now.
1: People have been talking about, you know, Rick, at, in Singapore over here, people have been talking about how we should be moving from stocks into bonds, you know, seeing how rates are trading at. Do you agree with this view here?
0: I do. I do. For years, for the last five years or so, I cautioned clients about being in bonds and that the typical 60-40 split, 60% in equities, 40% in bonds would hurt them badly. Now with the US tenure having reached five, and again we're at about four and a half percent, and on the short side of the curve, I just personally this week, in fact I think it was actually today, bought some 17 week T bills at about five point five percent. So I am willing to go into let's call it the fixed income market now with these type rates and and lock them in. But when US rates were at two percent, one percent and we actually got down to 40 basis points in 2020, I was telling clients, you cannot be in bonds. The, the, the move is going to have to turn around. I never once suggested that the US was going to have uh, negative interest rates the way many places in Europe did. And um, But now when you're, you're actually getting a decent yield relative to what the long term return is on the S&P on an annual basis which let's put it at 7 to 8%, if you can get near 5% and take no risk in doing so because these are US treasuries I'm game to now significantly upping a proportion of the portfolio back into bonds.
1: Just one more question, Rick, before we let you go. I mean, we are looking at a market environment where things might actually move to a new normal, where you have slightly higher inflation, slightly higher interest rate here. Do you think that this would actually be a normalized level, which we are going forward here?
0: I think it will be, but it's going to take some time because the world got very used to Virtually no interest. And so the cost of borrowing was very low. Uh, Of course, individuals made nothing from their banking institutions to save money. But now that those have moved up nicely and you can get four and a half to even just over 5% in a savings account, at least in the US, you can. um, I think we're getting back to longer term type of equilibrium, you know, low interest rates and be able to buy a mortgage for your home at 3%, which you could have done up until a year and a half ago or so, was not the norm. And recently they got as high as just about 8%, which is a shock for those in the near term. So I think what you're referring to as the new normal is really a return to what had been normal, but years ago, and certainly not in the mind space of, younger investors. Put yourself in the shoes of a fifty or sixty year old and we'll say, sure, seven percent mortgage rates. Yeah, that that that's <laughs> you know, that's what I paid on my house twenty years ago. But for younger people, they're shocked to see higher rates and borrowing costs now are going through the roof relative to what they had been over the last several years so I think it's it's a shock to many but in reference to your you know new normal it's really more of a return to what things were traditional
1: that's a very interesting point here I mean I started off my career when interest rates were the low so seeing how this has changed has been something different for me we have been speaking with Rick Bensignor founder and managing partner at the bensignor group thank you so much for your Insights, Rick. My
0: yeah. pleasure, Willie. Thanks for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.